When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How about it, guys? Uh, How about it? For anybody that doubts the value of Brock Lesnar, and I guess Paul Heyman has a lot to do with it too, but anybody that doubts the value of Brock Lesnar, and it goes back to the conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago with Wade Keller about the positives and negatives when we look back, when we were looking back on the 2010s, the positives and negatives of Brock Lesnar ending the Undertaker's streak, a very controversial move, but certainly a move that brought the value up for Brock Lesnar. By the way, welcome to Thursday, not Sam, Thursday. The midweek dose of not Sam wrestling. Um, But when we think about the value of Brock Lesnar, look, at the end of the day, I want you to think about the way Monday Night Raw started this week. After one promo, One promo, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman all of a sudden have us really talking about the Royal Rumble. Not in the conversations that we were having before. Let's be honest. Before Brock Lesnar goes out on Monday Night Raw, most of the conversations that we're having about the Royal Rumble are, hey, Roman's probably going to win. Do you think CM Punk's going to be there? That's it. Oh, I bet CM Punk's going to come out. Roman's probably going to win. That's the conversation. It's not a conversation. You know, there wasn't an excitement. There was there was a general excitement because the Royal Rumble is always an exciting pay-per-view. There was the sort of, I don't think there was a malaise about it. I don't think people were not looking forward to it. But nobody was sitting there really sort of dissecting what might happen here. What do you mean what might happen? Roman's going to win. You think CM Punk's coming out? Every conversation. Now, all of a sudden. Now, now we have something to talk about. And now we are talking because Brock Lesnar came out on Monday Night Raw and he entered himself not only in the Royal Rumble match, but as number one. I thought the promo was terrific because it was true. When Paul Heyman posed the question on the Raw roster, the SmackDown roster, and the NXT roster, who is left for Brock Lesnar to take out? And the answer is nobody. There is nobody on the current roster who you could convince me that within two weeks you could make me believe is going to beat Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. You've got, I guess at the time Brock announced it was three weeks. So let's say they announce another match for Brock Lesnar last week on Raw, Monday night on Raw. You've got three weeks... Technically less than, well, whatever, three weeks. You got three weeks to explain to me three episodes of Monday Night Raw how this person is a credible threat to Brock Lesnar. I mean, I don't know who. Are you going to pull out Roman Reigns and all of a sudden figure out some reason for him to leave SmackDown, come to Raw and face Brock Lesnar? Number one, it would damage the draft entirely. And number two... He's not even finished with Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin beat him at the last pay-per-view. So I don't see I don't see what you've got there. On Raw, you can't convince me right now that Kevin Owens can beat Brock Lesnar. You can't convince me that Samoa Joe can beat Brock Lesnar. Not right now, not within three weeks. Maybe for WrestleMania, but not for Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins is just formulating who Seth Rollins is going into 2020. Wouldn't make any sense. Number one. And number two, we've already seen two Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins matches. One of them, Seth Rollins got the real victory. The other one, he needed a low blow. And at the end of the day, Brock Lesnar is the one who's walking around Monday Night Raw with a championship. Seth Rollins is not. So Seth Rollins is taken out of the picture as well. You could say anything you want about the grand superstars of NXT. 
But there is nobody on the NXT roster that you could convince me within three weeks has a real chance of beating Brock Lesnar. Would we all love to see a Matt Riddle-Brock Lesnar match? Hell yeah. Would we all love to see an Adam Cole-Brock Lesnar match? Hell yeah. Would we all love to see a Tommaso Ciampa-Brock Lesnar match? A Finn ba- another Finn Balor-Brock Lesnar match? Hell yeah. But Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar happened last year at the Royal Rumble. And it was eight minutes of Finn Balor getting his ass kicked. I'm not sitting here and saying that I believe I will turn on the Royal Rumble and see any of those men beat Brock Lesnar one-on-one and become WWE champion. It's not going to happen. So we were left with a scenario where realistically Brock Lesnar's WWE Championship match was going to be a a holdover. Brock Lesnar's WWE Championship match was going to be filler so that we could have Brock Lesnar on a big show and there could be something there before he goes on to his real match at WrestleMania. Now all of a sudden, he's got a real match because at the end of the day, win or lose the Royal Rumble, you will be telling the story of how we're getting to WrestleMania. There's no doubt in my mind. Brock Lesnar's involvement in the Royal Rumble match, it's impossible for it to be inconsequential. Impossible. Because either he wins, and once again we're in the scenario where he's taken WWE hostage, or he loses, and he's got a bone to pick with whoever eliminated him. Or he gets eliminated by multiple guys. And then those multiple guys have a bone to pick with each other over who is going to be the one to conquer the beast. There's so many things at play here. Do we have a scenario? Let's talk about the rules of the Royal Rumble match. What does the winner get? The winner gets a title opportunity at WrestleMania. Do we have a scenario where if Brock Lesnar wins? I thought it was very interesting, very conspicuous that the ramifications of Brock Lesnar being in the Royal Rumble match and potentially winning the Royal Rumble match were not discussed on Raw. That was left to us fanboys to try to figure out for ourselves. So, if Brock Lesnar wins, are we in a scenario where he gets to pick his own opponent at WrestleMania? Or are we in a scenario where he is awarded a title opportunity? We all think we have WrestleMania forecasted, and that's not the first time. Usually around now, people have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're 100% wrong. Sometimes plans change. Sometimes we're just being led in a certain direction, and it's a misdirection. People aren't talking about Brock Lesnar and The Fiend, but if Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble match, I have to imagine that he challenges the Fiend for the Universal Championship. I would have to imagine that if Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble match and the Fiend beats Daniel Bryan and continues to look unbeatable, the only thing you could do with either of those two men is have them compete against each other. Anything else could be a letdown. I'm not saying will be a letdown because who knows the bag of tricks. A week ago at this time, last week's Thursday, not Sam Thursday, nobody was talking about this idea of Brock Lesnar being in the Royal Rumble. Nobody. You know, you see, if, if you're into reading uh, what the bookies, the odds makers, not the bookers, the bookies, what the odds makers are saying, Brock Lesnar was not a favorite to win the Royal Rumble in any odds makers that I saw. And they were talking about the different potential for people to come in and do this and do that. I saw WWE front row in our Discord room advocating for, I think, Nia Jax to eliminate Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. That's ridiculous. I'm not opposed to uh, uh, Nia Jax appearing in the Royal Rumble, but I think if Nia Jax appears in the Royal Rumble, she should appear in the women's Royal Rumble match just to kind of assert her dominance, right? Just the announcement that Nia Jax is returning will have everything to do with the fact that she is now amongst the credible threats to either the SmackDown or the Raw Women's Championships or the NXT, who knows? But um, I, I, I think we can pay attention to the wording and, and what we know about the Brock Lesnar Royal Rumble entry. 
And that is, number one, Paul Heyman did his spoiler thing. And, and, and I love that that has become a thing. Paul Heyman saying this is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. This is something Paul Heyman has done many, many times. But now it's being quantified. Now we've got the commentators and, and, and people being aware of the fact that in the instances that Paul Heyman has said spoiler, not prediction, Paul Heyman has been right. Once, now that that's in, in the ether, now that people are aware that that is a thing, you can't do it again once it goes away. Meaning the minute that Paul Heyman says this is not a prediction, this is a spoiler, and it doesn't come true, he can never say this is not a prediction, this is a spoiler ever again. It's out of the lexicon once it's not true. Now that we all know, because if we didn't know, right, if we just assume that was just bad guy manager talk and nobody was really counting, I, I don't know, I guess sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, it wouldn't matter. But the fact that we now know every time Paul Heyman has said that he's been right means that he can't, it, it, there's a value on it now. And he's not going to be able to use that again with any credibility should it not be true even once. Paul Heyman said, it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler. Which instantly leads you to believe, it's like a, a, a Vince McMahon, I can guarantee in the Attitude Era, when Vince McMahon, when Mr. McMahon would go out there and guarantee something was going to happen, it always happened. Hook or crook, you never knew how it was going to happen. There was always chicanery involved. But chicanery be damned. His guarantees were a, a word is bond situation. As is Paul Heyman's, not a prediction, a spoiler. It's got to be broken sometime, though. The Undertaker streak got broken, right? Here's my thing. The WWE Championship is not on the line in the Royal Rumble match. They were very careful in the wording, unless I'm wrong or unless something changes. The wording was very careful. Brock Lesnar wanted to compete with 29 other men. At no point, I don't believe, did Paul Heyman say he's going to defend the WWE championship against 29 other men? And Paul Heyman is smart enough to know that if that were the case, that is an attractive thing to an audience. If the WWE championship were to be on the line in the Royal Rumble, that would have been said. Paul Heyman would not have let that detail slip. So... I have to believe that the WWE Championship is not on the line. This leads me to believe that if I had to put money down and I had to bet, I would bet that Brock Lesnar is not going to win the Royal Rumble match. Number one, we all think he is. Here's the beauty of Brock Lesnar. Even when we don't think that he is, we kind of think that he is. Because it's Brock Lesnar. And that's where the value of ending the Undertaker streak really comes in. Because the last time, the whole world knew that Brock Lesnar wasn't going to win. We knew there was going to be something, you know, there was going to be something that stopped Brock Lesnar from getting the one, two, three. It was the Undertaker streak. In the last six years, since WrestleMania 30, there has not been a match where you can sit there and say, well, Brock Lesnar is definitely not winning this match. It doesn't happen anymore. And that's because of WrestleMania 30. So you can't sit there and say there's no way Brock Lesnar is winning the Royal Rumble. Because even if you think he probably won't, I don't think anybody can sit there and make a convincing argument that there is less than a 48% chance that Brock Lesnar is going to win the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar is the type of uh, superstar where even in the WWE, they know that at the last minute, if they want to change their mind, they can always just have Brock Lesnar win. That's the beauty of the Brock Lesnar character that if Vince McMahon wants to, he can wait until the last minute. If he's got an idea in his head of who's going to win the Royal Rumble and he wakes up on the morning of Sunday, January 26th and says, I'm not so sure about that anymore, he can just have Brock Lesnar win. 
and everything will be fine. Nobody will sit there feeling cheated. You probably won't don't want to put that match on last if that's what you're going to do. But other than that, you can always have Brock Lesnar win. People will boo, but they'll boo the bad guy. Nobody will sit there and be like, you know, this is nonsense. This wasn't supposed to happen this way. Because they'll go, well, it's Brock Lesnar. This happens this way a lot. However, I think there's a 52% chance, as I talk to you today, today, that Brock Lesnar is not going to win the Royal Rumble. So let's go over some possibilities as what may happen with Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble and what people are talking about. Of course, CM Punk's name has been thrown into the mix. CM Punk's name has been thrown out a lot. I think... uh, Bubba Ray Dudley was on Busted Open saying that he wanted to see it. Lots of people have said that they want to see it. People have brought up, uh, I think uh, my buddies over at the uh, Gorilla Position podcast were tweeting about it in the UK. They were saying that, uh, uh, you know, there's two reasons. Number one, CM Punk being the ultimate surprise. Number two, if Cult of Personality hits, we're going to want to see him win the Royal Rumble. And number three doing a CM Punk-Brock Lesnar match now as opposed to when you did it before. Doing that match now adds the complication of all of us knowing that CM Punk is the ultimate and the original Paul Heyman guy. And if Paul Heyman has to look up and see the original and ultimate Paul Heyman guy as the spoiler, the spoiler of the spoiler, He's going to be conflicted, and you've got an immediate and amazing story to tell going into WrestleMania. If your story going into WrestleMania is CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar, WWE Championship on the line, Paul Heyman is conflicted, nobody saw this coming, it's an incredible story. It's Nobody's going to be disappointed by that, especially because CM Punk is the great unknown. You can't sit there and look at this match and say, well, CM Punk... You know, he's probably not back full-time. He probably won't wrestle again after WrestleMania, so there's no way he's going to beat Brock Lesnar because we won't know. CM Punk was never supposed to be back. So the minute he returns, we don't know. That's the beauty of it. When The Rock is there to wrestle John Cena, we know. We know that The Rock is not sticking around. When The Rock beats CM Punk for the WWE Championship, we know he's carrying the title to WrestleMania. At that point, all of us wrestling fans are so aware of that that we understand that the storyline isn't even for us. It's so between January and April, The Rock can go around and do media as the WWE champion and it's extra promotion for WrestleMania and it's for the mainstream at that point. We know that. But this, this is very different. CM Punk is a mainstream star. CM Punk is one of the most famous names associated with WWE in 2020, and he's not even really associated with WWE yet. He's a lot more close than he ever has been since he left. I mean, a lot more close, but he's not quite there. He hasn't crossed the threshold. The questions have come up. There was a media call over in the UK because you got UK takeover this weekend. Triple H talked about it. He said he and Vince McMahon are on the same page, that CM Punk... uh, If it's good for business and good for all parties, they would love to have him back. And I believe that. And I believe he will be back in all of my heart. And the fact that we don't know if he's staying or going, the fact that you've got the Paul Heyman storyline, the fact that everybody would want to see CM Punk would lead me to believe you'd have an amazing story going into WrestleMania and an incredible WWE Championship match that has everybody talking. All that said, I don't see it happening. I said this from the very beginning. I believe CM Punk will be wrestling in WWE in 2020. I probably, probably at WrestleMania. But I said from the very beginning, I do not think CM Punk will be in the Royal Rumble. And I could be wrong. If I'm right, then this is Scoops. If CM Punk is not in the Royal Rumble, then Scoops got another one. And this is behind the scenes dirt leaked from my sources. If I'm wrong, Just a theory, just something I thought of. So, you know, you could take either side for what it's worth. But I don't think CM Punk's going to be in the Royal Rumble. I don't think the match with Brock Lesnar is where it's going to go. I I think, you know, I, especially after this week, you know, CM Punk is tweeting about stuff that he, even CM Punk had to delete the tweet. It was so controversial. 
it makes me think that maybe as much as WWE is ready to do business with CM Punk again, I don't know how ready they are to make him the Royal Rumble victor and have the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania. We can have a big headline attraction match for CM Punk without making it the main event of the evening. You know what I mean? Um, so another theory is that Cain Velasquez may come back. Now, I'm not excited about a Cain Velasquez-Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match. And I'll tell you why. Because Cain Velasquez went in to his last match. I think it was Crown Jewel. I don't remember which international pay-per-view it was. But he went into his last match with Brock Lesnar, and he lost in 90 seconds. I mean, he lost so quickly that they aired the entire match on SmackDown like it was a highlights package. And there was no justification for it. There was no explanation like, uh, oh, well, he's injured or, oh, his leg hurts here. I mean, the only explanation and justification would have been, well, he's inexperienced. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't wrestled before, so he's got to get used to all this stuff. But that's not really a justification because he's here. He's in WWE. He's got the Brock Lesnar match. If you can't beat Brock Lesnar, you're not experienced enough to be in the position that you're in. You shouldn't be in the position that you're in. So, Cain Velasquez, in order to make a compelling case that he's the WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar, is not only going to have to get through whatever injury he had to get through that's made it so that he hasn't been on television since the Brock Lesnar match, but he's also going to have to be 10 times the wrestler that he ever has been. Cain Velasquez is not a very experienced guy. Cain Velasquez has to learn to be a headline performer. Now, it's very, very possible. I mean, you look at Ronda Rousey, and she showed up at the Royal Rumble last year, and or, or the year before last, and nobody had any expectations. People actually had very low expectations for her. Didn't like her promos. Felt like... She was not quite ready for this, and she was going straight into a WrestleMania match. But once she got in the ring, people forgot where they were remembered once she got in the ring. But right before she got in the ring, people had not remembered that she is an elite athlete capable of incredible things. And she shocked the world with an unbelievable performance in that match at WrestleMania alongside Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. So that's possible. Look. That is possible. It is very possible that Cain Velasquez comes in, that he eliminates Brock Lesnar, and that he goes on to have a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It's very, very possible that that match is actually great, that Cain Velasquez really becomes a great pro wrestler in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. However, I don't think the audience is going to be that optimistic, and if Cain Velasquez does win or does come in and eliminate Brock Lesnar, I think there is going to be a letdown. I think that that Brock Lesnar entering the Royal Rumble has created all these fantasy matches. Everybody is dying to see Matt Riddle enter the Royal Rumble and go toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar. I wouldn't be shocked with all the controversy that Matt Riddle has around him, the way he's pissed off all the legends, the way he's pissing off people on Twitter all year long. I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Riddle gets drawn number two and they try to have Brock give him the Daniel Pewter treatment. We'll see if it happens. You know, Matt Riddle's experienced in and of himself, but I don't I don't know if he's any match for Brock Lesnar. Um, but, you know, I could see something like that happening. However, the initial stare down, the moment that you realize it's Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle in the ring together, you're going to be excited. There's so many current roster superstars that I think, you know, could be amazing. I, look... They say I'm a dreamer. I would love to see Brock Lesnar come out at number one. And number two, you hear, it's a new day. Yes, it is. And you see Kofi Kingston eliminate Brock Lesnar right off the bat. You know, I think that'd be great. Or, you know, it would be really interesting. Big E eliminates Brock Lesnar. 
early and you go, oh, we're building to a Big E Brock Lesnar match. Eventually, Big E gets eliminated. Kofi Kingston comes out and he wins the match. Well, no, nah, that's too complicated because then people won't like Kofi because they will have gotten all excited for Big E. I love the idea of Kofi Kingston eliminating Brock Lesnar. Although I also kind of love the idea of everybody getting all excited and then Brock Lesnar eliminating Kofi just because of the heat. It would rain down on Brock Lesnar. The reason this is all so interesting is you have to believe that whatever interactions Brock Lesnar has in that match, it's going to result in the Brock Lesnar match. You know, I, I think that leading to the Royal Rumble, most people thought that Roman Reigns was a shoe in and that he would go on to face the Fiend. However, now it's in question. And when things are in question, it's good. So I love this move. I love the conversation that it's giving us. And I think that as we get closer to the Royal Rumble, I'll be able to give you a little bit of a more succinct choice. Right now, Kofi Kingston comes out and eliminates Brock Lesnar. That's what I would love to happen. Hey, guys, let's talk about what we're doing with Not Sam Wrestling content in 2020. I'm talking about the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, a brand new YouTube channel that is exclusively wrestling content from here on Not Sam Wrestling. All of our interviews, the visuals, the videos go up on that channel. We've got moments and hot takes from shows like this and the State of Wrestling segment on the Monday shows that go up all the time. Every podcast that we publish goes up on that YouTube channel. And if you leave comments on the podcast on the YouTube channel, we will answer them here on the show. I recommend everybody go and subscribe. It's completely free. All you have to do is go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, hit the subscribe button, watch some of the videos, have yourself a day of it. It is more content and it costs nothing. Go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, hit subscribe, and enjoy, folks. Let's get back to it. Uh, speaking of of Raw, um, it was a weird show, man. It was cool to see the big show back. Really cool to see the big show back. I wouldn't. I would imagine his Netflix show must be coming out soon. Um, but it's really cool to see him get back in the ring. I hope he's in the Royal Rumble. You know, I would love to see Brock Lesnar have to deal with him in the Royal Rumble. Um, and then you had the Bobby Lashley Lana wedding. Made a lot of headlines because. They, there was that moment after AJ Styles' match before the commercial, AJ Styles is walking down the aisle, and you just see behind him, it looks like a guy in a suit has rushed the ring, and these two security guards are, are, are smothering him, and you go, oh, my God, somebody jumped in the, in the ring. Why is he wearing a suit, though? Some adult man just jumped in the ring, not some you know drunk idiot? Maybe he's a drunk idiot in a suit. Maybe I'm being judgmental. But then we get back to Raw and the Bill Belichick, Lana Lashley wedding officiant is in the ring and the commentators actually acknowledged it. You go, could he have been the one that security was pinning down? And the commentator said, yeah, that's who it was. Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler were like, yeah, before we went to break, that was, uh, that was, that was the wedding officiant doing that. Um, I think and people are like, well, why did that happen? Was it a mess up with security? And then people were like, oh, I heard it was uh, work. I heard it was planned, da-da-da. I think it might just be one of those things that WWE does to kind of get a buzz going. You know what I mean? Just do something that's going to make you go, whoa, I just saw a weird thing. Just, I, I think we're in a space right now in WWE and on Raw where things are happening on that show where the intention is to rewind your DVR. Because that's exactly what I did when that happened. I wrote, did I just see what I thought I saw? To get people talking on Twitter, which is the new, you know, the old days, you know, in the Monday Night Wars, people would talk about, you got to call your friend and tell them, hey, turn on Nitro, turn on Monday Night Raw. Because social network wasn't a thing. You had a telephone, you call your buddy and you go, oh, you got to see this thing that's happening on Raw right now. So the new way to do that is on Twitter. And we talked about that last week with the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley wedding segment that one of the reasons why I think it was so good is because so many people were talking about it that people I know for a fact because I'm one of them, people that were not watching Raw Live turned over because they didn't want to miss this thing that everybody was talking about. So I think that that's all that was. That's that's my guess anyway. I haven't talked to anybody, obviously. But my guess is that's what that was. Um, We had some uh, controversy 
one of the guys in the uh, uh, Discord room, everybody who's on Patreon, you know, at, at uh, patreon.com slash wrestling, they all get access to the Not Sam Wrestling Discord room. And so, you know, everybody's in there 24 hours a day talking about wrestling and God knows what. But uh, somebody made a puke face gesture at the fact that I said, Adam Cole is the Roman Reigns of NXT. And I say that, and I don't know if I clarified it properly when I said it on Monday, but I say that to say, whether we like it or not, whether we have historically liked it, and I think more people like it now than they used to, but Roman Reigns is clearly the poster boy of the WWE. When you turn on SmackDown, yes, The Fiend is the champion. Yes, Daniel Bryan is in the main event. Yes, all this stuff is happening, but it's very, very clear that Roman Reigns is the biggest star on that show. There's a reason why, and SmackDown is the show that's treated like, you know, it, it, it's, it may have a bit of a higher value. You know, I don't think there's anybody on Raw that you would argue is a bigger star, as a good guy, as a bigger face for the company than Roman Reigns, and you certainly couldn't make that argument about SmackDown. Um, there's a reason why you turn on New Year's Eve on Fox, and the match that they chose is Roman Reigns versus Dolph Ziggler. It's because you're going to get a good match, a good athletic match. Dolph Ziggler's a charismatic guy. But in the end, you've got an easy road to take to have Roman Reigns looking like a superhero. And that's all you want to do on Fox. you got all these eyes watching that maybe haven't watched wrestling in a long time. They're just watching Steve Harvey, Maria Menounos, New Year's Eve. And now all of a sudden it's Roman Reigns versus Dolph Ziggler. Roman Reigns is the guy that they trust to get people excited to not change the channel to either one of the other New Year's shows and to hopefully, maybe, possibly go, I want to see more of that guy. He is the face, I think, of WWE, but certainly of SmackDown. And that's what I meant when I said Adam Cole is the face, uh, is the Roman Reigns of NXT. That realistically speaking, when you really think about where NXT has been in the last year, specifically since October when they've been on USA. NXT and Adam Cole are one and the same. Adam Cole is the face that pushes that NXT brand, and NXT's mission is to make Adam Cole a superstar. Adam Cole is the man on NXT, not just because he's the champion, but because there is a different vibe when Adam Cole comes out. Because when there is one person doing interviews to promote the fact that NXT is going to be on USA or doing a takeover or whatever it is, Adam Cole is the one doing those interviews. There's an entire stable called the Undisputed Era where at the end of the day, one of the key missions is for the other three members to go, look at how great Adam Cole is. They all say it. Adam Cole says it about the other guys too. Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Roddy Strong. They're all in a great position. They're the four best guys on NXT. However, that faction exists as to some level does NXT to make Adam Cole look like a giant superstar. And it's working. It's working so well, as a matter of fact, that today, as of the day this show is being recorded and published, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the publication of record, sent out the cover shot for their newest issue and announced that Adam Cole is the 2019 Wrestler of the Year. Not just in WWE, every year. He, everywhere. He is the man. The last three years in a row, it's been AJ Styles, which I know you're going, well, then he's not the Roman Reigns. He's the AJ Styles. You know what I'm saying. Okay. Adam Cole took a huge leap over a lot of people to get there. I think the Chris Jericho was the name that came in second. It's tough to argue that. But the fact that Adam Cole became wrestler of the year this year not only says a lot about Adam Cole and raises his profile. I mean, I'm among wrestling fans. We're not talking about like Pro Wrestling Illustrated the New York Times or something, but you know what I'm saying. It's a big thing. It's a mainstream, Adam Cole's face is going to be on the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is like the one wrestling magazine that's still sitting there on supermarket shelves, in bookstores, all over the place. You know, this is something that people are going to see. So not only 
does it raise the stock of Adam Cole? But Adam Cole being there, the fact that an NXT superstar is the wrestler of the year tells you everything you need to know about where NXT has come in 2019. And part of the reason NXT has come as far as they've come in 2019 is because of Adam Cole. Maybe Adam Cole is not the Roman Reigns of NXT. Maybe Adam Cole is everything that the Roman Reigns of NXT is supposed to be. Adam Cole is to NXT as Roman Reigns was supposed to be to WWE. Adam Cole is the superstar that if The Rock had raised his arm in Philadelphia after he won the Royal Rumble, they wouldn't have rained booze on him. No pun intended. Maybe that's what the better, the better phrasing is, that Adam Cole is the guy that WWE thought Roman Reigns was in that moment. But it's amazing. It's amazing to see everything that Adam Cole is doing right now. Uh, speaking of amazing, did you see, and I'm wearing my uh, WWE ice cream bar chalk line jacket, and this adds a lot of fuel to the fire, a lot of speculation about CM Punk. Nine years ago, CM Punk drops the pipe bomb on Raw. He says, uh, Colt Cabana. He waves at the camera. Says nasty, nasty things about the McMahon family. He says he's leaving. He says he's not on the souvenir cups. He's not on the posters. And he says something very, very important. Something that resulted in a t-shirt. Something that resulted in nine years of fan requests. He wants to bring back WWE ice cream bars. Well, a photo leaked on Twitter a couple of days ago. I had to I had to post this photo myself. I couldn't believe it was true, but it is true. Good humor is putting out WWE ice cream. Now, it is different. It's not exactly the same as it used to be. It's not ice cream bars. Did you notice that I said ice cream, not ice cream bars? Because it's not ice cream bar. What they basically did was, you guys remember the WWE ice cream bars? If you grew up in the late 80s or in the early 90s, you remember the ice cream truck would pull up. They'd have the Ninja Turtle ice cream bars with the bubblegum eyeballs. They'd have your chocolate eclairs, your strawberry shortcake bars. And they would have your WWE ice cream bars. And it was uh, a cookie on the top, a soft cookie, not crunchy, soft. Del amazing, delicious, soft cookie with a drawing on the cookie of a superstar and their name on it. Under the cookie, this is like uh, uh, Ham Hambino explaining the s'more. You then add the malo. Under the cookie, a thick layer of delicious vanilla ice cream. Under the vanilla ice cream, a hard chocolate coating. Not very hard, but it's it's just a thin chocolate coating to give some form and some shape to the entire bar. Like nothing I'd ever tasted, just the most amazing treat you could ever have. Of course, inside the box of the ice cream bar was the trading card that you could punch out. And then in later years, there was actually a cardboard cutout that you could cut out of the back of the box. And I remember going to WWE live events and getting ice cream bars there and then having to try to make sure that I could get the box that the ice cream bar came in home without bending it because I didn't want the I didn't want the the cardboard cutout to bend or rip or break or anything like that. I don't know where any of that cardboard stuff is anymore. But I took such great care of it when I first had it. My buddy is actually reminded me of the trading cards cuz he said, "You think they're going to put the cards back in the box?" I said, "I hope so." So what they're releasing, this appears to be a product for supermarkets, not for ice cream trucks cuz it appears to be something where they're going to do four in a box. They're actually mini ice cream sandwiches, where instead of going cookie ice cream chocolate on a stick, they're going cookie ice cream cookie, no stick. As long as the cookie is the same, I'm satisfied. The chocolate was not the highlight anyway. The chocolate was a little, well, it was chocolate. I was going to say it's icing on the cake, but it's chocolate on the ice cream bar. It's not necessary. Having another cookie is fine because the cookie was the best part. I'm excited because just like the old days, there is a drawing of a superstar and then the name of the superstar under it. Um, they're uh, incorporating current stars and legends, Macho Man, uh, John Cena, Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns. I'm sure there'll be an Adam Cole one too if there's a Roman Reigns one. 
Um, but as long as the cookie is the same, I'm satisfied. If the cookie is different or the cookie is crunchy or, 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 or something's going on there, I will not be satisfied. But I hope that nobody's sitting there going thinking that they're getting ice cream sandwiches that are the size of the ice cream bars because they said available in your local supermarket, which means they're not going to sell one sandwich in the supermarket. They're going to sell a box of them. There's going to be four sandwiches in the box. They're going to be smaller. But that's okay. You know why? You get a couple boxes. You eat two or three of them while you're watching. I was going to say while you're watching Raw, but Raw's so long, you probably need two boxes of them. But you turn on NXT, two or three ice cream sandwiches later, you got yourself quite an evening. I'm excited about it is the thing. I'm excited about it. Now, all we need is Tonka to come back and put out Wrestling Buddies. If they put out Wrestling Buddies, I'd be set. Set. I mean, you'd have to have Toys R Us return to sell the return of the Wrestling Buddies. But in none of this nonsense where they're trying to 2020 it, don't make them talk. Don't make them crunch and bend. Ow, you got my arm. Remember those WCW ones that came out? Quit grabbing my leg. None of that stuff. Get your hands off my nose. Oh, it's Kevin Nash's real voice, is it? Um, Just the classic. Pillow Pal, Tonka, Wrestling Buddies. I got all eight of them. I need more to add. So anyway, I'm excited. I love the retro stuff. Um, we had a couple of little news notes. Mercedes Martinez signing with WWE, apparently. Uh, hopefully, she's coming to NXT. Uh, I say, Actually, you know what? They could probably use her on either SmackDown or Raw more than NXT necessarily needs her. But, you know, the women on NXT are just at another level. So I'd love to see that. And it's a nice, if we're losing Shayna Baszler from NXT, and that's a big if, Mercedes Martinez, along with everybody else, is a, is a nice way to make it so that we haven't really we're 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 gaining as we're losing. I think that's a good thing, a good way to be. Um, NXT was really good this week. Uh, you got a lot of NXT UK representation, and I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, not just the fact that it's the Dusty Classic, of course, but I think you, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the Worlds Collide is happening soon. You got in a couple weeks at Royal Rumble weekend, Worlds Collide is happening the night before the Rumble, and the only match announced so far is Imperium versus uh, the Undisputed Era. That's going to be amazing. But I'm very curious to see what flushes out the rest of the card. I would imagine, you know, it seems like they're doing a lot of Dusty Tag Classic matches per show. I don't know if they'll be able to get the whole tournament in before Worlds Collide. Maybe the finals are going to be at NXT TakeOver Portland. But if you've got an NXT UK tag team and an NXT tag team in the finals of that match, I mean, of that tournament, it might be good to do it at Worlds Collide too. I don't know if they've announced that yet or not. Um, but they are actively, and this surprised me, and I like it. They're actively promoting Worlds Collide and TakeOver Portland at the same time. I figured... TakeOver Portland, I think it's going down like February 16th. So that's only three weeks or so after Worlds Collide. I figured they'd just get it all in after Worlds Collide and go straight to TakeOver. But they're not because they realize there's not that much time. NXT is really good about utilizing their time. So they're planning out both shows and promoting things for both shows. They're doing uh, uh, Finn Balor versus Gargano, I believe, was already announced on Wednesday as happening at TakeOver Portland. So already, you know that that's going to bring the house down. Like, that's going to be... And TakeOver Portland is a big deal because it's the second TakeOver where they're leaving full sale, and it's not a WWE weekend. They did it once for TakeOver 25 uh, in Connecticut, and now the whole brand is heading to Portland on the 16th of February. And I think that's the only match we have announced so far, but I'm sure, I'm sure that more will come. You know, you've got the women's... Battle Royal next week on NXT. Keith Lee winning that Fatal 4-Way. Oh, and the announcement. I'm sitting here going, who is Kushida's tag partner going to be in this Dusty Classic? The announcement that it's Alex Shelley, I think, is brilliant. And I know, wow, Sam thinks he's brilliant. A shill got a shill, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe he does. Here's why it's brilliant. Because Kushida, while he was a big signing from New Japan, 
hasn't clicked with the NXT audience. He just hasn't done much. He had some great matches with Drew Gulak early on. But other than that, he hasn't had anything happen at a takeover. He hasn't, and there's no real demand either. You know, people are happy to see him on NXT shows. People are happy that he's there, but nobody's sitting there going like, where is Kushida? He should be at this show. They're like, okay, I guess Kushida's here. I think, you know, bringing in Alex Shelley excites a lot of us hardcores and adds an element, you know, doing, I think Alex Shelley should stay beyond. I think now you've got a real potential to have them win the Dusty Classic. And I think Alex Shelley can go right along with that uh, line of people that we've talked about in NXT, the Samoa Joes, the Champas, the Garganos, the people that came in, the Eric Youngs, the Bobby Roods, the people that came in. I'm not sure if Bobby Roode is actually on that list. Without a promise to become a WWE superstar, the people that came in and they were like, look, you can keep your name, you can keep your gimmick. We just want something that wrestling fans are going to be excited about. You got history with Kushida. I think this will be good for both of you. And you go in and do the damn thing. You know, I think people will be excited to see them as a team. I think Kushida will start to feel a little bit more at home. I think his gimmick will make a little bit more sense when there's somebody next to him doing it with him. Um, And I I predict and hope that Alex Shelley stays in NXT long-term and that the Time Splitters tag team becomes what Kushida does in NXT, not just for the Dusty Classic, but going forward, I think it's the right spot for him. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up this weekend, tomorrow into the weekend. Of course, uh, SmackDown, big deal. John Morrison showing up. He uh, popped in last week, but this week he's going to be on Miz TV. Look, I think it's good. I think Miz had a terrible 2019. He's got to have something to bring him back. Uh, and I, I think that, and I, I think that John Morrison being a heel is a good thing. I think people are excited to see him. But I think John Morrison just coming back and being good guy John Morrison again, again is going to get tired fast. John Morrison coming in. And I, I love the idea of, because the dirt sheet was like, it was on WWE CW. It was not. It, it was something that we look back on finally and we can see now was creative and, and amazing. But it's not something WWE made a priority. I love that now the Miz has proven himself. John Morrison is a big signing and we can bring back the dirt sheet is something different. Something that that when the dirt sheet came out, the Miz and Morrison's YouTube show and the stuff they were doing on WWE CW, it was two guys that just needed something. They were trying to grab onto anything and they created this thing. Now, they're two huge names in wrestling. And they're coming together to to, you know, this is this is dirt sheet on a whole nother level. So um I'm I'm happy about it, and I think that I think that it's got potential to be good for the Miz. Uh, and then I would say if you're trying to think about stuff to watch this weekend in terms of wrestling, uh, I think Hard to Kill is going to be a sleeper, man. I think uh, Impact is going to have a hell of a show this weekend. Uh, you know, I headlined, of course, by the Tessa Blanchard, Sammy Callahan Impact World Championship match. Not only are we talking about women in the main event, but you're talking about a woman competing for the quote-unquote men's championship against Sammy Callahan. That's Tessa Blanchard. Man, Tessa Blanchard has made such a difference in the world. Tessa Blanchard has represented women outside of WWE in the wrestling world. Um, And she's really proven that intergender wrestling is far more than a sideshow far more than an, an attraction that intergender wrestling is something that people can really care about. And if you show wrestling fans as a woman that you are a great performer, you are a, a great professional wrestler, fans want to see Tessa Blanchard win this title. This idea, well, nobody's ever going to believe that a woman can beat a man. That's not true. Wrestling fans want to see it. I mean, people were annoyed eight months ago at Slammiversary when Tessa Blanchard lost to Sammy Callahan. People were annoyed about it. I personally think that the loss was only something that was done to bring us to the moment that we're getting to as we head into uh, Hard to Kill. But yeah, that's the one I would check out. You'll go over to the Fight app or Fight Network or whatever because I think it's going to be good. And I'm I'm excited to see uh, what Tessa has in store. Let's go to some questions. The email box is open. 
notsamwrestling at gmail.com, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. I also look at the YouTube comments at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling on the podcast that we post. Um, Of course, in reference to last week's podcast, Sam, I completely disagree on the Lana Liv thing. As a lesbian, I find it devastating for Sonya Deville and her pitch storylines with Mandy, especially as they're doing other romance storylines with Mandy now in this. It's a bummer, man. Wrestling in Power Rangers was how little kid me realized she was gay, or, or at least bi, uh, before I even understood myself. And having vague memory, memories of HLA and shit like that, uh, I find, going back to this Jerry Springer stuff, a real bummer. Um... Like, I know it's not your fault, you don't understand, and you have every right to enjoy it, uh, but it's just hard to fully explain why this sucks. I get why this sucks. I do not advocate for the sort of, you know, schlocky Jerry Springer representation of Liv Morgan in a in a LGBT storyline. I completely get that. I am not lost on the concept of representation and the impact that it makes. You know, I mean, I mean, at all. So, so I am, I am with you. I'm glad you left the comment, and I'm glad that I have a chance to clarify that, because I get it. But this hasn't that 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 segment was like a a, a wacky Jerry Springer type moment. But Liv Morgan's sexuality hasn't been trivialized. I think that, I think that because. HLA was what it was, and that whole era was what it was, that we get a little nervous, and maybe people who are worried about the way they're represented on television get a little nervous that because the wedding was such a soap opera story, that that's what we're drifting back to. But my point last week was, we don't know that we're drifting back there, and I get the concern about not wanting to drift back there, but we don't know that that's what we're doing. In terms of Sonia, I think that her representation, and again, I, I'm I'm not trying to take away the way you feel, and I appreciate you not doing that to me, but I think that Sonia is is completely out of the closet. Sonia came out on national television. It's an amazing story. She showed up on Tough Enough, and she she came out publicly for the first time. And since then, you know, it, it's very open about who she is. She's open on Total Divas, shows her and her girlfriend together. She's got a rainbow flag, you know, on her on her pants a lot of the times when she's fighting. I think, and my point with Sonya Deville and why it could be even stronger that that storyline isn't given to her is the idea that she is an out-of-the-closet gay woman. And that doesn't define who she is that she's an out-of-the-closet gay woman, but we know her as an ass-kicker, I think can be, if shown in the right light, a really strong thing. Because it really drives home the fact that this doesn't make you different. We don't have to make this into a storyline because it doesn't make you different. It's not odd. It's not something that we have to highlight because that's just who Sonya is. And she happens to kick a lot of people's asses, which really applies to what goes on in the ring. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from with it. But I get your concern. And if if that storyline were to slip down that slippery slope of, you know, schlockiness, I would have a different opinion. Um, another YouTube commenter, oh, I'm using a such a millennial. I was trying to use my uh, a touch screen on a laptop screen. Heel Seth versus The Fiend would be my preferred match for The Fiend. Imagine a scenario when The Fiend wrecks Seth and the authors of Pain get involved. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that that could be interesting. But I don't think anybody wants to see heel or babyface Seth beat The Fiend, quite frankly. Um, let's see. What else is on here? Uh, this was in reference to Monday's podcast. A few looks at Mustafa Ali's Twitter, you realize that he is not turning heel anytime soon, if ever, no matter what anyone wants. I don't think that Mustafa Ali is going to turn heel as a human being. Ali might be one of the best people you could ever hope to meet. All that said, I mean, it's wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, he might be able to get more done if he turns heel, 
becomes an even bigger star for it, and then turns back to being a babyface because they think that he could. And I and and I think that again, you talk about representation. I think you know the prejudice that Mustafa Ali has to deal with. You know, I think the prejudice that all Muslim people have to deal with is insane. But I think the idea of turning him heel without playing on those really ugly stereotypes could be a strong thing. Uh, Sam writes in to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Love the show. Just finished last week's Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. With The Fiend being such a great character that he now falls into how do we beat him without making him look weak category on top of that storyline that could be told with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. What are your thoughts on a WrestleMania triple threat? One could make the point the best way to beat a character such as The Fiend is to outnumber them. What's he going to do? Give two mandible claws at the same time? One could say Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, epic triple threat. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of triple threat matches at WrestleMania. I like one-on-one matches. I like, you know, to know. Because the minute you see triple threat, you know that that can happen. You know what I mean? I like that at WrestleMania of all places, that if somebody's going to get beat, they're actually going to get beat. So I'm not a triple threat match fan at WrestleMania, personally. Uh, And two, he says, as much as I'd love Kofi to win the Rumble and challenge Brock uh, at Mania for the title, I want nothing more than a heel Kofi. I see athletes like Odell Beckham Jr., Conor McGregor, and LeBron James, and I can picture Kofi fitting that role so well, the arrogant, mouthy guy who can back it up bell to bell. I agree. I would love to see Kofi Kingston turn heel. I would love it even more if he turned heel after he re-won the championship. If If he got a second title reign, got everybody on his side again, and then turned heel. That's what I'd like. Uh, my thoughts, writes in, not Sam at wrestling at gmail.com. Happy New Year. It's so cool to hear you and see you on TV. Thank you. Keep doing your thing. I appreciate that. My thought on The Fiend. He gets into a dark dispute with Bray Wyatt, and Bray ignores The Fiend wishes not to fight Daniel Bryan the title and loses. Uh, this way you keep The Fiend mysterious and never loses the title. The title changes, and then Roman can go for the title. Uh, I appreciate the email, but uh, I don't like it at all. I don't. I, I, I like the idea of uh, The Fiend being a part of Bray Wyatt's personality. I think when we start getting into this idea that The Fiend and Bray Wyatt are actually two different people, then it's re- stupid. Uh, JR writes in, not that JR, Sam, I've been watched. I recently watched a few of Maria Manic's Beyond Wrestling intergender matches on IWTV. Big fan. I'm a big fan of Maria Manic myself. Uh, do you believe that there will be a place for intergender wrestling in WWE or AEW in 2020? It felt like WWE teased us a few years ago with Triple H and Ronda. Also, how or who would you book for the first 2020 intergender matches for both companies? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a place, 100%. And we're going to see that with Tessa in Impact. Um, But, so here's the thing. When you've got a place like WWE that spent so much time building up a strong women's roster, what you don't want to do is have one woman performing intergender matches and have that be a bigger deal than the entire women's division. It's a risky thing because when you have a strong women's division, what you don't want to do is send the signal that, for instance, when NXT, when there was NXT in the main roster, right? That language is being fought against now because we don't want to look at NXT like it's not the main roster. It's just our third brand. What you don't want to do is make it so that there's the women's division, but then the number one person in the women's division is going to be the intergender wrestler. Like, for instance, like Shayna Baszler is the name that comes to mind. I would much rather see Shayna Baszler dominate the women's division than perform intergender matches. All that said, I would have loved to see Nia Jax do more. I, I would I would be a fan, and I know I just said this differently. Like, if Nia Jax is going to return in the Royal Rumble, I'd rather be in the Women's Royal Rumble. But I'd still be cool with seeing Nia Jax in some intergender matches. Um, I just think you have to be really, really careful about it. I think AEW might have an easier time because... They're just a younger promotion, so they don't have as much foundation built in that women's division. So if they wanted to have Chris Stratlander or somebody like that enter the men's division, I don't think it would be damaging to their women's division. But I think WWE runs that risk because so much stock. You know, you've got women main eventing pay-per-views now. So, you know, realistically, you almost want to go, well, 
we want the women's division to be so good that the men have to get good enough to come over to the women's division. And then you start to get real convoluted. Look, I think there is a place for intergender wrestling. I just think you have to be mighty careful about it for a lot of reasons. Um, David says, no matter what else happens in 2020, you can never beat the line. It's me, Rusev, from Rusev Day. David, you're 100% right. I loved it. Uh, and that's what I mean. Rusev has been really making the most of this opportunity. Mike has a couple questions. Sam, big fan. First time emailing, and I have a couple questions. First, what's your take? Uh, Bully Ray's pitch CM Punk returning. I think I got to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to that whole thing. Second, I'm glad to see Andrade win the U.S. title, but do you think WWE waited too long to finally put the title on him after his momentum died out with his IC title shot to Finn, lost to Finn Balor? Um, could it be because the Fox deal and wanting to... Uh, have a broader Latin fan base or his relationship with Charlotte. Look, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into like, I, you know, you want to believe that the reason Andrade won the United States championship is because Andrade is an amazing wrestler and should be a champion. Uh, I don't think they waited too long because, uh, you know, I don't think Andrade has done that much on the main roster. He's had good matches, but he, it's not like he's had giant storylines of note. He hasn't, he hasn't done that much. You're still building who Andrade is on Monday Night Raw. So I don't think they waited too long at all. I think that there's still a lot of runway for Andrade on Raw. Uh, let's see. Leonardo DiCaprio writes in. Actually, it's not DiCaprio. I'm curious to get your perspective. Wrestle Kingdom, in my mind, had a successful two-night event. Do you believe that eventually WWE would experiment in doing a two-night WrestleMania event? In my opinion, I believe a two-night WrestleMania event would help benefit in showcasing the talent better and reduce the fatigue factor with the audience rather than cram up a loaded card in one night. Let's say this was a two-night WrestleMania. How would you book it? It's a good question, Leo, and I've thought about it a lot, especially after watching Wrestle Kingdom. Um, however, I think that WWE is a different entity than New Japan is or than any other place is. Every other wrestling promotion is just that, a promotion. WWE is a company. WWE has three brands, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. I think that WWE does do a two-night event. WWE's doing a two-night event for Royal Rumble. It's called Worlds Collide and then the Royal Rumble. WWE will be doing a two-night WrestleMania. In fact, they're doing a five-night WrestleMania. Hall of Fame ceremony, TakeOver. Oh, I'm sorry. Hall of Fame ceremony, SmackDown, TakeOver, WrestleMania, Raw. They're already doing multiple night events. They're just calling it something else. And I didn't think about that until I really started thinking about it. But realistically speaking, since WrestleMania 31, although it wasn't televised until WrestleMania 32, so let's say starting in Dallas, every WrestleMania has been a two-night event. Takeover on Saturday, WrestleMania on Sunday. Now, the second night ends up being 10 times as long as the first night, but it is what it is. I think that, you know, WrestleMania is a long show for sure. But I don't agree with having WrestleMania Night 1, WrestleMania Night 2. I think it just gets too confusing. But realistically, it is. And I wouldn't want to sacrifice a takeover for it. WrestleMania is a two-night event. Takeover, WrestleMania. Uh, and finally, wanted some thoughts on WrestleMania season fantasy booking from Mark. Yeah, you Mark. Uh, wanted to get an idea of what you think would be a great WrestleMania season build that would help elevate both a specific superstar as well as NXT as a brand. I use Keith Lee in this example, but it could be somebody else. Anyway, submit it for your consideration. Number one, the Royal Rumble happens. Lesnar comes in at number one and tears through everybody until somewhere around number 26 or so. In walks either Keith Lee, he eliminates Lesnar uh, and goes on to win the Rumble. Obviously, we could replace Keith Lee with somebody else. Fast forward to the next night on Raw, out comes Vince McMahon, who starts the whole power trip. I'm not going to let somebody who's not on Raw or SmackDown main event mania. Uh, strips Lee of the shot, and once again, uh, fast forward to TakeOver February. Lee wins the title from Cole. Fast forward Monday after TakeOver. Uh, NXT invades Raw. Lee takes out Lesnar from behind. Five, invasion keeps happening and keeps disturbing the show. Vince keeps objecting. Six, Vince finally tells Lee that if he wins the elimination chamber, he can get Lesnar at mania. Seven, Lee enters the chamber and either wins or gets some kind of screw job. A, if screw job wins, shot at Lesnar shortly after. Eight, Lee goes to WrestleMania, manages to beat Lesnar. Nine, the next night on Raw, Vince comes out to congratulate the new WWE champion. 
and goes to take away the NXT title, but NXT grabs the NXT title, throws down the WWE Championship, holds up the NXT title, and says, this is the only championship that matters, and walks out. Ten. Next week on Raw, a new tournament begins for WWE Champion. Um, no. I appreciate the thought, though. Um, look, it's one thing to make NXT look strong. It's another thing to make the WWE Championship not strong. Now you're in this position where you got a bunch of guys having a tournament for a title that Keith Lee just threw on the floor. You're trying to portray Keith Lee as un, as being unbeatable on the level of Brock Lesnar, and that's never going to happen. Brock Lesnar, and, and, and part of that is because of who Brock Lesnar is, and part of that is because of the mainstream. People don't know, people outside of wrestling don't know who Keith Lee is. Everybody knows who Brock Lesnar is. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah. And I don't think there's anybody in NXT that could fill that role, personally. Um, he writes, I don't exactly think it would play out like this, but I think it could be a cool way to elevate NXT even more, bring far more eyes on NXT, and serve as a way to get the title off of Lesnar without somebody on the active Raw roster having to beat him directly. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, uh, I think that if you're gonna beat Brock Lesnar, it has to be super high profile. You know, there's a reason why when Shayna Baszler had her hand held high at Survivor Series, she didn't beat Becky Lynch. You know, you have to say, like, it's one thing to elevate a brand. It's another, what's the cost? What's the cost of elevating NXT here? And the cost of elevating NXT here is something that you've worked on with Brock Lesnar since at least WrestleMania 30, if not before. Something that works for the mainstream and something that you're paying millions and millions of dollars for. Also, you're hurting the WWE Championship, which is the one title that has lineage going all the way back to the beginning days of WWE, WWF, the whole deal. So that's why, I mean... I think as NXT fans, we can kind of be blinded by that and 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 have expectations like this. But realistically speaking, everything's got to be within reason, Mark. Everything has to be within reason. And, you know, you got Brock. I don't think Brock Lesnar versus Keith Lee. You've got it. You're telling me that on January, what's two weeks from yesterday 14 plus 7 on January 21st Keith Lee is getting a shot at the NXT North American Championship by April Keith Lee is the best person in WWE and beat Brock Lesnar and threw down the WWE Championship it's I mean it's way too much too soon for Keith Lee or for anybody else nobody nobody could take that weight on I don't think and, you know, and then where does Keith Lee go from there? Was he going to have a rematch with Brock Lesnar? He already beat him and then threw his title down. Who cares? Right? And then what are you going to do? Have Brock Lesnar enter the tournament and just beat everybody? So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that wouldn't work for me. But I appreciate the email. If you want to email in, notsamwrestling at gmail.com is our email address. Don't forget to check us out, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We will see you on Monday. Brand new interview on Monday that you are absolutely going to love. See you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam.